0: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. You are listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan and Buck Sanders talking some UNC football recruiting. Guys, the February National Sunday period has come and gone, although I guess it is still open right now for the few remaining guys that have not committed. But the big event happened last Wednesday. Inside Carolina was at the Hickory Tavern in Carboro, throwing its annual party for the signing day. Don Buck, you guys were there. I unfortunately was not. You talked about it a little bit with Tommy Ashley and his podcast, but you know, Don, uh, I think that the biggest waves that you caused is is when you talked to Tommy, and you know, the 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 revelation that uh, Ross Martin is your best friend and. And you tried to, to cover that up with uh with Buck a little bit off air, but but I think we need to address it now because the masses are are wondering, Don, has there been a betrayal here? <laughs> uh Wednesday was a
1: blur for me. So as I said off air. So um I mean yes, I, I definitely it was definitely me. It was not just my voice, it was me with Tommy. And um I don't even remember what I said on that podcast to be be honest with you, just because so much went on on Wednesday for obvious reasons, but I enjoyed. You know, Buck put on quite a uh, a party on Wednesday for the for the for signing day for the celebration. And any anyone who has never gone needs to really go next year because I think this year, I think it gets better every year. So this past year was was the best year. What's what's your secret, Buck?
2: Well, I I listen to Mrs. Buck mainly. And, <laughs> That's a good uh, put idea. A lot of the- I put a lot of the uh, organizational stuff in, the, in her hands. And I do want to give a shout out to Johnny T-shirt. They're always very, very good to us in terms of providing us some, uh, some swag. And uh, they were there and with their usual terrific support. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you, you do, you learn from, and then you improve on it. We try to get better at what we do and everything we do at IC, which leads me to the question Don since uh Mac Brown has returned and recruiting has turned up a notch what do you plan to do to satisfy the masses that are going to be uh hungry for recruiting information to, from this point forward you feel any pressure to step up your game
1: I don't I don't feel any pressure I feel like um there's a lot more recruiting events um that are are going on so there's a lot more for me to cover which is good because there have been i don't there have been times where maybe a particular week i'm like i don't even know what i'm going to write who i'm going to interview on this week because there's really nothing going on and i'm sure there's going to be stuff like that that happens maybe in may or or wherever with um, under mac brown but for example you know this would be a good good week to kind of um, I guess, look back on the 2019 class and kind of look forward to the 2020 class with you know, some introductions and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, and we'll get in, into this later on in the podcast, but, you know, on Saturday, North Carolina hosted another, another – uh, it wasn't a junior day. It was just a basketball game. I mean, all the – I guess the schedule is very similar to a junior day. Uh, but it's a smaller group, which um, – it seems like Mac Brown tends to uh, favor because it's more intimate. You get to spend more time uh, with uh, with all the all the recruits that are there instead of so this huge group of guys where you you might only get to say hi and bye to um, to, to the recruits, and it uh, paid dividends in the form of, of a yet another four star in state commitment. And again, we'll get into that later. But um, I mean, I, I don't I don't feel any pressure. Um, we're still, I mean. We, I don't I'm gonna be boastful here for a second, but Inside Carolina I feel like does the best job at covering everything, including football recruiting. And we're gonna continue to do that. I I don't think there's anyone that comes remotely close to the covers that we provide. And um maybe I'm being a little cocky with that, but um, you know, I have eyes and I, I look around and uh you know, we're we're gonna continue to to do that. Um and I think everyone's gonna go into uh you know, really enjoy the coverage
0: that that we're going to that that we're providing and that we continue to provide well the coverage is second to none i mean i i don't think that that's a stretch at all anyone that pays attention to the constant articles that come out from don and greg um on the on the football side buck ross the podcast with me tommy i mean yeah if if you are a Carolina fan and you want to get your scoop on UNC football, Inside Carolina is the place to be. So um uh, I think overall, guys, the the 2019 class, we've talked about it a lot. Don, you went over the guys who signed uh this or last week with Tommy already, so I don't really want to harp on that too much. Let's go ahead and start turning that page towards 2020. There's actually already a, a call-out, Dawn. I don't know if you saw it. People are wanting the mock class 1.0 for 2020. Yeah, I, get, I and, could I uh, tell you
1: that we're not having a mock class, at least not, um, not this week for sure. Uh, and I don't I don't know when. It's you know these things are such a a crapshoot, and we're still trying to. I don't even think the coaches actually know what. Um, what their class breakdown will be. And they probably won't have a firm grasp on that until, until, um, spring practice after probably after a few weeks of spring practice, because there's so many variables with the, with the new coaches, with the, the scheme changes, particularly on defense. And, uh, you know, there's just so much up in the air with all this stuff, but yes, I mean, we will definitely make sure you guys know what, uh, who North Carolina's top targets are and we'll be definitely bringing you interviews with, with those guys for sure. We have, we have a bunch of stuff in the hopper for this week, next week. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy the amount of content we have, you know, with, with, uh, you know, North Carolina's top targets and, and guys who have visited and and all
2: that. Don, let me jump in real quick. Um, this is a thought that crossed my mind this morning. I don't know if there's anything to it or not, but, Does it seem to you as though North Carolina is aiming a bit higher there? They've raised the bar in terms of the recruits that they're going after. And does it appear that certain recruits that you may have thought in the past that were, you know, North Carolina wasn't in their wheelhouse or wasn't someone they would consider seriously. Has that? thinking changed at all has any of that changed for you i think the there has
1: definitely mac brown has preached recruiting in-state and he definitely is doing that if you just look back at all these visits the weekends these saturdays that he's had with the 2020 guys the majority the vast majority i would say over probably over 95% of the guys have been in-state guys, been top in-state guys. Now, so within those guys, there's been some recruits who, um, in the past, top in-state guys that uh, UNC has had a difficult time making inroads with, with, and um, it seems like Mac has not had such problems. There are a couple guys. Well, there, there are two guys heading into this weekend. There are two guys that North Carolina seem to not be able to to get you know to pull onto campus. Um One of them was Miles Murphy, a four-star defensive lineman from uh, Southwest Guilford. He actually visited it this past Saturday, so that you could check him off the list. Although it's going to be key to get him back on campus a couple more times. The second guy, Jacoby Cohen, a four-star D lineman from from Charlotte Providence Day High School he um has yet to visit but he has a visit scheduled for uh, March 9th which is the that big junior day that's held with um w- w- in in conjunction with the the Duke basketball game so after Cohen visits north carolina has would have hosted all of regardless of how you rank the the top players in state uh, because it's it's definitely this year is going to be a little bit of a um you know, it depends on who's actually doing the rankings on where guys fall, but um, regardless of how you rank them, I would, I I believe North Carolina has hosted the, at least the top fifteen, if not the top twenty-five guys in state already uh, by the time that that, that Duke basketball game uh, comes up. So um, that's kind of a long way of answering your question. And I think in state, Mac Brown is doing unbelievable and has doing the best in state this early on than um then I can remember to be completely honest. Um may, maybe Butch Davis uh, with that one class with uh that Dante um Moss um class um where uh, Jared um uh, McAdoo and all those other guys um you know he really kind of killed it that year in state. But other than that, I can't think of a class where a UNC coach has done so well in-state with all the top guys and there's definitely i mean outside of the you know, there was a couple of um of dbs from the tidewater area which unc is definitely going to hit hard because of dre Bly. there's also josh downs who another dre Bly connection he's from georgia he's visited a couple times um ethan west who actually has committed outside of those guys everyone has been in-state guys and they've been top in-state guys you know, four stars five stars you know, high three stars, all that.
0: So hopefully I'm answering your question, Buck. No, I I think that you didn't. It's very encouraging to hear about that emphasis in state, Don. I mean, that's something that Mac has preached. And I think for anyone that's been paying attention to the names of recruits that have been on campus, he's coming through with that so far. And, and as evidenced by the commitments already that the heels have for the 2020 class. So Don last week, we actually asked our listeners and we're going to give our list for the wish list for 2020. And it turns out that we got a pretty good response. I think you said we had five people send in theirs. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: once we start getting these, these lists rolling that we'll get more. Cause we were up to like over a dozen at one point last year. Um, Although yeah. I don't have like a great idea for a wish list. Um, do you have anything that we can do? Um,
0: Not for next week. Um, I would say let's just think on that. And if we come up with some idea, we can post it on the boards or put it out through through social media. But let's go ahead and get into to the wish list for, for 2020 from the people that we got.
1: All right. So um, uh, here are the submissions. Like we said, we had five. Um I'm going to go with uh, first one, Kale Watts, um, who actually submitted on Twitter just this morning. So he got in right underneath the line. His top five are Desmond Evans, Antoine Harrison, Jacoby Cohen, Kedrick Bigley-Jones, and Tonka Hemingway. And then we have Paul, also from North Carolina. His top five are Des, Edmund, Des Evans, uh, Moose Muhammad, Jacoby Cohen, Ray Greer, and Josh Downs. Then we have um, Jonathan, a coach in South Carolina, who always submits his top five. His are Des Evans, Mitch Mays, Moose Mohammed, Jacoby Cohen, and Malik Faust. And then we have uh, Dale from Waxhall, who also submits it almost, I think almost every week, if not every week. His top five are Des Evans, Evans. Uh, Mitch Mays, Moose Muhammad, Miles Murphy, and Keontae Jenkins. And then last but not least, we have Cedric uh, from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And his top five, he actually has a top 10, but we're only going to do top five uh, Desmond Evans, Jacoby Cohen, Mitch Mays, Miles Murphy, Porter Rooks, even though he's committed to state. Uh, one thing that pops out to me is everybody wants Desmond Evans. And uh, that makes sense is he's right now. He's a five-star in-state guy. Uh, the in-state's uh lone five-star and he's made a couple visits to North Carolina so far since Mac Brown's been hired. So he's definitely high on, on North Carolina's board for sure. A-
0: any thoughts that pop out to you, John? Uh, Buck? No, not really for me. Um, I think Evans is kind of the consensus. Number one. So if that's a little bit of a preview into my list, you can take into that what you what you will. Uh now Buck, did you create a top 5 list for us this week or uh did the uh news that we were going to do that kind of pass you by, man?
2: Uh you already know the answer to that. So I'm taking <laughs> that as, as you put me on the spot there, oh, which I no. which I refuse to be placed on. Instead, <laughs> so, I'll come I, I'll come back uh to you and Don with this. What is your over and under on four-star members of the 2020 class? Ooh. I'm going to put it at like, like eight. Uh, okay. Maybe that number should be higher. But uh, so we, I think there's three already on board. We're uh, not even to February 15th yet. Hadn't made it to Valentine's Day, and they've got three. So, what do you think the over and under is on the number of four-star recruits North Carolina will sign in? Will have in hand February uh, the first Wednesday in February, twenty twenty. All right, Don, go ahead, man. I'm gonna.
0: I'm looking something up real quick. So you go ahead and give your answer. <laughs> um.
1: Oh man, over under 8. Um uh, that's definitely a good question. I'm going to say I'm going to say over. I'm gonna, I'm going to go over um cuz uh it's not um Yeah, I'm going to say over. Although that's a, I think that's a good number. Um cuz really well, I'm what looking What would what
2: would you what would your what would your over under be then?
1: Oh man. Um I think eight's a good number. I really do. I think that's that's you know I'm looking back at right now at the as soon as you mentioned that I went through my notes to see uh, how many four stars North Carolina has has landed in the past you know I don't know 15 years or so and uh, if UNC were to go over eight it would be only the second time that uh, it has done that and the the first time. And this is this is only the quote unquote internet era, whereas you know, where the you know scout or rivals or 24-7 sports has actually been doing these rankings. Um and that the only other time was in 2009. That was a class I actually was talking about with Dante Moss and uh where where uh Butch Davis really killed it in state. And it just shows you if you establish you know your foundation in state and you kill it in state, you can have a really good class because I believe that uh was um North Carolina's best class ever of the of the internet era. So um you know UNC in twenty nine in twenty eighteen signed six four stars and to think that Mac can sign eight, I think I think that's 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 reasonable. I think they can sign you know eight or more. What what do you think, Buck?
2: Well, you know, I already established the over under at, at eight, I I think even though that's the number I chose, I I might take the over on that number, but we'll Mm -hmm. see. Um, if, if they did sign eight or more, more than eight, then I think that gives them, uh, a, uh, right in the ballpark of a top 20 class. Mm -hmm. I I think, I think where they want to go probably, is to a top 15 class but if you look at the 2019 football rankings um you know uh no, don't to, don't to get into the top 15 you know you you've got to have a really strong class uh like the the 15th class this year Notre Dame had 16 four stars in it Oof. and I'm stealing my thunderbot uh, that's what I was looking up Uh, The number 16 class uh, was Florida State that had 10. So I I think uh, 10, but no quarterback. Right. But, you know, I think 10, um, you know, would put North Carolina certainly in the conversation um, for, you know, a uh, late teens class, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I don't want to get too unrealistic about it, but you know I would say eight would be the the over under number I would pick if I was taking bets um, but I, I, at the same time, I would myself probably take the over on that
1: Before John, you get to yours, I don't think I'm going to see your thunder uh, just to kind of throw out there since I have this pulled up. So when North Carolina signed 12, four stars with that twenty twenty two thousand nine 2009 class it finished 12th in the nation. And then if I'm looking at this uh you know when they signed six in in 2018 they finished 23rd. So I think Buck is right as far as if if UNC gets eight or more it's going to be a top 20 class ish in that, in that range.
0: John what what do you have for us? So what I was going to say is, is is Buck mentioned about the rating of the rankings for this past year. And the number 18 class, South Carolina, only had six four-stars, but they were buoyed by their one five-star. Nebraska number 19 only had six four-stars as well. So that's definitely that that line is around that top 15 classes when you're talking double-digit four-stars. Now, as far as Carolina going above eight for this year, I would take the over for this year's class, I actually do not think that that is going to be something that Carolina fans need to be relying on at this point. Let's see how they recruit. But even given this year, I think that the biggest thing is that there are so many four-star kids in North Carolina. I'm just looking over, and I think that this is a, a very up year in talent in the Tar Heel State. And so I think that that's going to provide a basis for the heels to get into a double a double digit four stars moving forward i think that that's going to fluctuate and i think that's where you know counting on that is probably a little bit um it's too early for that uh, in my opinion so for this year i would go over eight moving forward we will see but definitely if mac brown wants to get into a top 15 he's gonna have to get by looking at it at least 10 11 12 in order to to break into that. So, uh, Don, let's go ahead and start doing our wish list, though, because I think that will probably provide some basis as to, you know, who we are wanting the, the heels to get to bolster those numbers of four and five star guys. And uh, I'm going to let you go first, Don, mostly because my voice is still breaking because I was at the basketball game yesterday and I need to drink some water before right. it goes away completely. So-, so go ahead and start us off.
1: My number five. Now, now, just generally speaking, you're going to notice this pretty quickly. I went with all North Carolina guys, and and just because you know Mac Brown has said that that's going to be emphasis, and he has given no indication whatsoever that he's going to break from from that um, that that I guess uh, thought process. Uh, my number five is Trent Simpson. He's a three star guy, the only three star guy I have on there. But I think that it won't be long before he's a four star guy. Um, I think he's What's kind of hurting him a little bit from the ranking standpoint, and even some schools are recruiting him, is uh, the fact that uh, he wants to play running back and has played a lot of running back, and his future is clearly at linebacker, where um, he's very long, he's a guy who you want coming off the edge, very rangy, can um, can definitely cover, um, you know, cover his zone um, underneath. So that was my number five. What about you, John?
0: Alright, so overall with my five, I had four of them from North Carolina, one out of state guy. But my number five was was Mitchell Mays, the offensive tackle. Um, the only reason why I had Mays at number five is because on the offensive line, I actually like the, the Tar Heels, their talent that they have there. So if they miss on 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 a you know on someone like Mays, I don't think it's the end of the world, but he is an incredible prospect, and I really hope that, that they can land him but Maze was my number five. And then at my number four, this is where I went out of state, Don, and I went with Antoine Sampa, who is the linebacker from Virginia. This kid is a five-star. I don't know really how involved Carolina is going to be, but his measurables just look incredible. Five-star kid at linebacker. Sign me up for that. That's on my wish list for sure. With Sampa, UNC was
1: actually the first to offer him, and he visited a bunch because uh, UNC recruits Woodbridge pretty heavily, has a really good relationship with uh, the head coach there. That's where Kyrie Campbell went to school. There's a couple of other guys that that UNC has recruited out of there. But um, I do think that Sampa is a little bit um, upset with how things turned out with uh, Kyrie Campbell. And uh, I I believe that... um, Sampa there was one school that that I think dropped one of his teammates or um his older teammates um and he said he would no longer visit that school. I can't remember what school it was, so um that just kind of shows a loyalty so it might be kind of hard for North Carolina to get in with him unless they kind of patch that up but my number my number four guy is a guy I mentioned earlier uh, miles murphy uh you know he's i feel like he he's gonna blow up, and I feel like eventually he's gonna be challenging right now a lot I think the consensus is uh Des Evans is the top player in state. I think Miles Murphy will eventually challenge that once um he goes to a lot of these showcase camps and and you know and people get to see him. Um, he was a guy who he didn't well he had an interesting football background. Really last year was his first year playing and um his first couple of games he just he just absolutely lit it up in North Carolina offered. North Carolina's the first to offer him and then a bunch of other schools came through with offers i mean he he has a very impressive offer list right now. but keeping a kid like that in state would be huge because it looks like he might be headed out of state right now. My number three is Michael Wyman, another kid who has one of the more probably the most impressive offer list that you're gonna find. He has offers from everyone you name him he's a big tall uh wide receiver. From Dudley High School, a school that North Carolina has recruited a ton, always produces kids. He's a guy who has the potential to be, out of anyone in this, in this, in the state, um, Wyman has the potential to be kind of the the um the recruit who helps pull in other recruits stronger than anyone else, just because he's an in-state guy, he's very active on social media, everyone all the other recruits seem to know him. He's very personable, very likable kid. Um, so to to land a guy like that, it would it would just help your recruiting. The problem is is that um, he did make a visit to North Carolina a couple of weeks ago. On I think it was on Martin Luther King's birthday. Uh, he didn't have school. Um, other than that, he hasn't seemed like he has given North Carolina much of um, much of a look. That visit was like a real quick visit. Like a, okay, I'm not doing anything else, and you guys have been hounding me to visit, and so I'm going to visit. So I think North Carolina definitely has some
0: some work to do in in that department. John, what's your number three? So uh, this may shock and surprise you, Don, but I did have Mike Weinman as my number three, but I actually <laughs> cheated a bit and I did a duo number three with also uh, Moose Muhammad the Third and Michael Weinman because I just could not separate those two. I really want Carolina to get a in, one of the in-state four-star wide receivers in this class they so did just they got Ray Greer. they did but i want more i want to be greedy okay, okay. um right. so i i had, had those two guys at my number three uh muhammad i really like him out of charlotte um and and wyman you already talked about so i'm not going to go on there so hopefully carolina can get their second in-state four-star wide receiver or maybe more we shall see uh moving on to my number two I actually had another out-of-state guy. I missed this when I looked over it earlier. Um, Jordan Birch, who is a defensive end five-star kid, again, out of Columbia, South Carolina. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that the odds of Carolina being a player in his recruitment are exceedingly low. But a, a defensive end five-star kid, again, if this is a true wish list, those are the type of players that I want Carolina to get to build the next era of Mac Brown defense led by Jay Bateman. So he was my number two. All
1: right. My number two is Mitch Mays. And obviously he's a four star. He's he's in the conversation for one of the top players in the state. He's he's a top five guy in state for sure. Uh, But he you can make an argument that he's the top player in state. Uh, But with all that said, I think the main thing is, is that the well. Many people either project him to go to Clemson or NC State. He has a lot of ties to NC State. NC State is probably, you know, walking distance from, from his house. Um, I'm exaggerating a little bit with that. But uh, NC State is very, very, very close. Um, he goes there a lot. And so if you can steal a guy like that away from NC State, that would be absolutely huge. Um, so um, so that's why I have him number two. Um, number one, it's, I think everybody else had Uh, Des Evans, you know, he's right now, he's the only five-star guy in state. Um, you know, I think ESPN actually ranked him number two overall in the nation, which, which surprised me. I think he's a great player. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously he's the top player in state. So, um, for North Carolina, if North Carolina wants to kind of, um, make a, make a statement, you know, landing a five-star kid like this, which has eluded UNC for the past few classes, including, you know, last year with Kovars Crouch after Gunnar Brewer left. Really, he never, he never visited North Carolina again. So to get a kid like that would be huge. Also, you know, with the Mitch Mays, although I don't feel like this is like I um, I don't feel like this is a UNC versus NC State battle, although both schools are very, very, very much in, involved in this. But um,
0: uh, obviously, you know, that would be stealing a kid away from NC State also. Who's your number one, John? No surprise at all Desmond Evans for (laughs) everything that you mentioned there Don and I think you know one of the biggest I think trends is when I was going over here and going through my my wish list I don't know about you but I focused on the defense as a whole and then offensive line first Um, I know that I had the two wide receivers in there and that's just because I really want to think that that is a position that's going to excel under Phil Longo but you know I think what I would want Carolina to do is to get some of these very highly ranked defensive guys, because that's what I am most excited to see Mac Brown bring. I think that's what a lot of people are excited to do as well. Now, Buck, you didn't have had the list, but there was actually someone that you said caught your eye for the 2020 class. So who was that? Because I want, I want Don to, to kind of talk about the, this kid a little bit on the podcast here.
2: Well, the the kid out of, uh, I think it's New Jersey. Uh, Fadil Diggs. Uh, he he strikes me as the kind of guy uh, from a size and athleticism standpoint that uh, could fit right in the tradition of uh, North Carolina defensive linemen that have gone on to the to the NFL. Uh, which, if you look at that list, is uh, pretty impressive. Which um, is also a good. Uh, segue into uh, another uh, thing we haven't really talked that much about, but which is actually very interesting, is that uh, a longtime Tar Heel, Kenny Browning, is back on the staff. And uh, if you take a look at the first round uh, defensive line draft picks that Kenny Browning coached at UNC, Greg Ellis, Vonnie Holiday, Ryan Sims, Julius Peppers, Ebenezer Ekubon, Kentwan Balmer, Rick Terry, Marcus Jones. That's a pretty impressive list of uh, defensive linemen, uh, a good many of them defensive ends uh, that uh, Kenny Browning coached at UNC. And and it's probably a little bit underestimated uh, portion of North Carolina's contribution to um, the NFL. There's been other guys like Quentin Copels that, that uh, also made it into the first round. Um, So, you know, I, I, one of the guy, one of the positions that was one of my favorites uh, during Mac Brown's uh, first tenure at UNC were those defensive linemen it was always exciting you knew North Carolina was going to feel some guy that was going to be disruptive on the defensive line was going to get a lot of sacks was going to be somebody the offense had to s- scheme around so uh, uh, Fadil Diggs he seems to fit into that mold um, in terms of uh, products that uh, you know, North Carolina might be able to develop and, uh, end up as a first round pick. So
0: real quick, actually, Don, before you respond to that, I was looking at our runtime. We need to take a quick commercial break. So let's go ahead and do that. And when we get back, I want you to go ahead and talk about him for the podcast listeners. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan and Buck Sanders talking UNC football recruiting on Sunday mornings, as always. So, Don, go ahead. And you heard Buck talk about the tight end guy who could possibly play on the defensive line out of New Jersey. Diggs, what do you know about that player?
1: Well, we actually, I, I saw him at a 707 on 7 camp uh, last summer. Uh, I believe it was um, the Parade. And he's—I mean—he's definitely a defensive end, six-four, two twenty-five. Um, you know, just a—you know—a powerhouse coming off the line, uh, very long. But he's so athletic that he's used as a tight end uh, at at his high school and using that in that seven-on-seven, seven, which which happens a lot. First seven-on-seven is so will bring an athletic uh, lineman uh, to to play either a linebacker or a tight end, just so that they're getting the you know the conditioning and taking advantage of their athleticism and everything. But, um, you know, big kid, big kid, um, you know, very, very athletic. Uh, you know, we ran a story with him after I saw him at that event, uh, where he talked about wanting to visit North Carolina the upcoming season, which he never ended up doing. I would assume that now that there's been such a huge emphasis placed on him from uh, North Carolina's new staff that, um, something will happen eventually. It's a little bit harder for the out-of-state kids, especially a kid so far as New Jersey He's actually from my neck of the woods. Um, he's in Camden, which is not very far at all. It's just, just over, over uh, the Delaware river from where, um, where I grew up. Um, but, uh, you know, to have a kid like that come down here, I mean, maybe he he's able to make it this spring, but it's probably going to be a, a summer visit situation. But, um, yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with him, and you know this is going to be, I guess the, yeah, I know I know UNC signed or UNC scored a verbal commitment from Ethan West, but uh, you know Richmond isn't that far, you know, um, a kid this far it's 7 seven seven eight hours ish, um, that that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if 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 Mac Brown's reach is 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 going to be that far,
0: so. Before we we talk about Ken Browning because I think that's a, a some a big time topic that I definitely want to dig into with you guys, um, Buck. In terms of, of just lifting real quick, when you're looking at position groups, if you were if you could pick a position grouper, UNC would sign the most four stars. What what would be your top three? So we've talked about the over under as eight. So if Carolina could pick where they get the highest talent, what are
2: the position groups where you would want to see that talent fall? If if we go to the defensive side of the ball first, I would say linebacker. But line, that's a little bit misleading in a 3-4 defense because those out, outside linebackers are sort of outside linebackers slash DE slash safety kinds of guys. So Um. It, who knows what Bateman will be uh looking at in terms of that, but it's also uh there are four guys there um uh, and so they they pretty much uh they're they're on a par with uh, what we used to think of as a defensive line in terms of numbers but uh there's also no question in my mind that uh North Carolina just hasn't done uh, as well in uh, recruiting linebackers as uh, they did back in the day, particularly when Mac Brown was here. If you look at some of the linebackers that he brought in, uh, you know, North Carolina just hasn't done as well recruiting that position, I think, in the, in recent years as they have some others. Even if you compare the cornerback spot or uh, even some other, uh, even the defensive line, uh, it's not, uncommon uh, for North Carolina to recruit four-star defensive linemen Uh, you know Aaron Crawford's one of those guys on this year's team Jake Lawler uh, there's some others Uh, and in the past uh, North Carolina seems to be able to get four-star defensive linemen four-star linebackers not so much in recent years Uh, now Asante broke that mold this year um, and so that would be probably one of the areas that I think North Carolina would benefit uh, if uh, if they could line up some four-star talent there. They're going to get two four-star wide receivers. Uh, John, you talked about that earlier and how that's on your wish list, but there are several of those guys in North Carolina, and I don't see North Carolina uh, inking a 2020 class would it not, with, without at least two uh, four-star wide receivers. They already have one in Greer, so I don't worry about that so much. Um, and uh, you know, there are other positions you know you can look at uh, in terms of where they can benefit from an upgrade in talent. Uh, I think they've recruited well on the offensive line in recent years. Probably, if you look at it, there's as about as much talent as a group on the offensive line as we've had. Um, you know. Uh, in in history and and in particular greg and i talked about this that mac grant mac brown didn't have as much success recruiting offensive alignment at unc as he had at other positions so that's just kind of off the top of my head assessment of you know where North carolina might uh, benefit the most from upgrading the talent level at different positions
0: I well, I think that's a great point Buck about UNC being able to land four-star defensive talent along the defensive line you just kind of in regardless of of almost who the head coaches and on a pretty consistent basis but in talking about Ken Browning I think that's a would be a criticism of, of, that Carolina fans had for Coach Larry Fedora's defense is even though there was talent on the defensive line it, it, they never in my opinion really came up to that dominant standard and i think that that's fair to say but they, at the same time they were required and asked to do a lot given some of the um of the the players that were behind them but with kenny browning i mean Don, i mean buck you mentioned all those guys that he helped develop into NFL players. So, you know, Don, when you saw that it was reported that Ken Browning was officially rejoining the the staff, you know, how big of an impact do you think that can play on on the recruiting trail? Because if you have a player, a coach, I can just point to the list of guys in the NFL and say, hey, I helped them. That has to be something that resonates with, with high school players of today's generation, right? I don't I don't think it's going to
1: affect it the way that that you described. I think what it's going to help with is with the high school coaches. I don't you you know, um high school kids are so short-sighted, you know. I mean they they only remember really what happened the last 2 or 3 years when it comes to um you know, when it comes to uh you know, college football or, or the NFL. I mean, uh, there are a few ex- a few exceptions like Julius Peppers and and guys who who have been, who've had long careers, but for the most part, I think Browning's impact is going to be felt for really what the position he has where he's going to be uh, corresponding with high school coaches and there are high school coaches that um you know looked up to Kenny Browning when they were coming up through the, the ranks and um you know know him remember him in North Carolina um have heard about what he he did um at Northern Durham High School um and so I think that's where it's going to be impacted is is when he reaches out, when he calls a high school coach, and and they're talking to him. And plus, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a guy, a really likable guy. Anybody who's had a conversation with him, very honest. You know, you're not getting any BS when you're talking to him. Um, you know, uh, very engaging. You know, so I, I think it's more with the high school coaches, and that's why he has the the position that he has. I I don't know what the exact
0: title is, but it has something to do with, um, you know, uh, high school relations. Well, and, and Buck, I know that Don is, is plugged more into recruiting than, than you or I, but just uh, based upon what you, you've heard uh, from covering UNC, with with that reputation of Ken Browning, is that something that you agree with, that, that he's going to be able to really connect with those coaches and that they do hold him in that little bit higher of esteem?
2: Of course, I, I think that what Don said is completely accurate. And, you know, they are probably – Oh, I don't know. Hundreds, if not thousands, of people listening to this podcast that could have a story or two to tell you about Kenny Browning. He was part of Mac Brown's staff when Mac Brown left in '97. He was, uh, you know, on uh, the staff uh, for Carl Torbush, John Bunning, Butch Davis, uh, Everett Withers. He had a very, very long uh, career, and uh, I think maybe one of the reasons he's not really worked for another college team since he left UNC is because he doesn't want to work for another college team. And you know he's got the gravitas that Don talked about with the high school coaches. Uh, he's a was a favorite of North Carolina fans uh, during his entire tenure. It, there, for a brief period of time, I think it was just maybe. Torbush's last year or no, not Torbush's last year. Well, I don't, I can't remember exactly. It may have been Torbush's last year. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator. Um, so therefore a brief period of time, he was the defensive coordinator for, for UNC. So he's well beloved in Chapel Hill and he has a terrific family. Uh, I know several of his sons pretty well. Um, he is just somebody that you want around your team. And, you know, regardless of how it happened, uh, when he wasn't retained, uh, when Larry Fedora came in, I think North Carolina fans, the hardcore fans, experienced a sense of loss when someone who had been a part of the team for so long was no longer with the team. And I, for one, am really looking forward to seeing him again. Uh, When he's back on the sidelines at UNC, he's not going to be in a coaching role, but at the same time, he can bring a lot of uh, some of his strongest points to the team without having that on field responsibility. And speaking of seeing him back on the field, we should probably also mention that it's been recently uh, made known that the spring game this year is going to be at the unusual time of uh, 5 p.m., which will Mm -hmm. give fans a great opportunity to tailgate on uh, what's hopefully a uh, very moderate uh, spring day on April the 13th. If uh, people listening haven't already made plans to be at the spring game, Uh, this one is shaping up to be a pretty big deal from everything that I'm hearing, and a lot of fans are planning on attending. It'd be good for the program if there was a great turnout. So 5 p.m., uh, Tiger Woods will probably be playing uh, with some other guys uh, in a town called Augusta, Georgia. Uh, but uh, you can DVR that and get back to it uh, after you've uh, enjoyed the spring game and a beautiful day in Chapel Hill. Before we, we get done with, with Ken Browning, Don,
0: I wanted to ask you this question. Do you think that it is going to be important for defensive coordinator Jay Bateman, who has done some recruiting in his career, but when he was the defensive coordinator at Army, obviously that doesn't carry the same type of responsibilities as it does at a, you know, at your, I guess, quote unquote, usual power five five school. So is there any importance to having a coach like Ken Browning who has the connections to the coaches to kind of help with Jay Bateman as he's going to be really recruiting at Carolina or is it just going to be something that you know Ken Browning his impact's going to be too difficult to really quantify.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit too difficult to quantify and the other thing is is there's so many other people who have been added to you North Carolina's staff and not just the coaches, but, but the, the, the re- recruiting support staff. So, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's going to be so many other fingerprints all over each recruit that it's going to be hard to, other than, you know, the primary recruit, it's gonna be hard to give a whole lot of, um, I guess, recognition to one guy, unless it's just something that just, there's just some sort of super strong connection. But the one thing I'll say about Bateman, Bateman is a lot of people, um, I guess assume maybe because he's a coordinator that he's not going to be a great recruiter or, or that he, you know, I guess maybe it's because of all the the assistants who have, who come in with great reputations, but from everything I've observed and people I've talked to in the past month or so, uh, he's, I I would not be surprised if if he's a really good recruiter for North Carolina. And I think the fact that he had a recruit at a school like army um, will only help him because He's used to having to recruit, recruit nationwide, going to high schools where he has no connections to or hasn't recruited before um, and have crazy requirements to get into um, his school. It's not just academic. It's, you know, off the field. And um, I think you um, you need a lot of um a lot of different people to kind of sign off on it and everything like that. So um, he's used to dealing with requirements and, and trying to find diamonds in the rough and and trying to find kids with good work ethic and all that sort of stuff. So I think it actually might be easier for him in North Carolina, and I wouldn't be surprised at least if he finds a lot of success
2: as a recruiter. Yeah, uh, John, if I could chime in on uh, Jay Bateman. Definitely. Back when he was being mentioned Heavily as someone that North Carolina was really uh, focusing on in terms of getting a defensive coordinator in. One of the things that I did just sort of to complete all of the dot all the I's and cross all the T's, I, I looked at his Twitter feed and I looked at his people that followed uh, Jay Bateman. And there is an incredible number of high school coaches that follow Jay Bateman and he did recruit the Charlotte area for army I think as well Uh, but the number of high school coaches and I think part of that comes from the fact that he has been sort of identified as somebody that is teaching and preaching a style of defense that uh, will resonate with high school coaches and that uh, they're interested in in attempting to feel themselves if you think back to the spread offenses uh, at one point uh, the real spread offense gurus had a very strong high school following and more and more high school coaches tried to implement that that type of offense. And I think maybe a lot of the interest that he gets from high school countries uh, coaches uh, come from his, uh, reputation as a defensive guru, but that bodes well for the recruiting trail because he he has people that already look up and admire to him at a very young age as someone who kind of thinks outside the box on defense and uh, whose style of defense and his preferred method of teaching that defense and those kinds of things uh, are things that high school coaches are, looking to implement on their own level. So uh, those things are all very important, I think, in terms of what Jay Bateman brings to the Tar Heels.
0: I completely agree with that. Just to go ahead and and put that out there, I'm very excited to see, that defense buck and I think Don, you know, you mentioning about Bateman's recruiting, I, I think that that's going to be a hopefully something that that kind of maybe qualms a little bit of, of the trepidation that some Tar Heel fans may have had about Jay Bateman. But I think his acumen as a as a strategist is going to is going to be the most important thing that he brings, regardless. Let's go ahead and close this one out, though, guys. Talking about a big time positive, and I feel that this is almost a weekly event so far in in two thousand and nineteen where the Tar Heels have landed another commitment in the class of 2020. This time it was Ray Greer. He attended the basketball game against Miami. Again, if anyone's listening wondering why my voice may sound a little bit off, it's because I lost it at that game yesterday. Incredible crowd. Greer was there, and he went ahead and popped for the Tar Heels. Now, Don, I don't think this was something that exactly caught people out of out of left field. I think Greer had made it known that he was very interested in Carolina, but you know, how, well, first off, what type of player is he, how would you describe him and what do you expect him to do in the Phil Longo system? And then I've got some follow-up questions for you after that. um, And I'm sure Buck does as well.
1: Well, he's he's a big wide receiver and he comes from a system um, at South point high school, which for those who follow high school recruiting or high school football in North Carolina, they know that South point runs what they call the red bone offense, which is essentially the wishbone, which is not known for wide receivers or, or quarterbacks or throwing whatsoever. Um, but you know, so what, if you watch this film, you'll see a lot of situations where the quarterback just kind of drops back really quickly and just tosses the ball up and hopes for the best. And in a lot of those situations, you see Greer coming back with great body control, fighting for the ball, um, And, uh, you know, just having to make a lot of um, acrobatic catches because he's not he's not getting a lot of great throws thrown his way, but he's been able to excel. If you look at his stats, they aren't going to blow you away. I think he only had like 27 uh, receptions for, I think, 580 yards, something like that. But if you consider the fact that he's playing in an offense that just does not throw. You know, year in year out, just doesn't throw. But they have a great receiver, so they have found a way to get him the ball. I think because of all that, um, he has he he has a lot of um, a lot of room for growth growth as a receiver. You know, um, with right now he's more of kind of like okay, send him on a fly route, and we're just going to going to toss the ball up to you, sort of thing. Um, I think you know when when he learns how to run routes when he, when he has a quarterback throwing to him um, and where it's supposed to be thrown, I think that uh, he's going to really, really excel. And I think he's going to excel, and an offense is going to
0: consistently throw him the ball. So, Buck, before I get to my follow up questions, what did you think about the Greer commitment? Like, was this something that surprised you at all? No, it's
2: been uh, bandied about for some time now that Greer might be one of the guys that will join this class. Uh, it's great to have a. Again, an in-state four-star guy uh, commit to the Tar Heels. It's it's almost part of a something that plays right into Mac Brown's hands, which you know Don's talked about. You know his concentration on North Carolina, and you've had uh, another four-star from the state of North Carolina commit to UNC for the class of 2020, and. And so you see these four-star guys from North Carolina signing on to uh, Mac Brown's 2.0. And it sort of helps build some momentum and the thought that, yeah, Mac is really going to do what he said he's going to do. So from that standpoint, that might be the most important part of Greer joining the Tar Heels. And if you look at, what they have joining this year, uh, coffee Brown, uh, and you know, the receivers, Emery Emory Simmons guys, they have coming on board this year and, and what they already had and Antoine green and, uh, Diami Brown, uh, that position is replete with four-star talent. And so, Phil Longo is is stepping into a good situation immediately, and it's only going to get better in 2020. So, the the talent is going to be there to be on the receiving end of whichever of these quarterback recruits uh, get traction in practice uh, in the off season.
0: And that segues perfectly into my follow up question for you, Don. Was the commitment of Greer? How important do you think that is to keep that momentum going that, that Buck talked about? Because again, this is what the second or third week in a row now that Carolina has gotten a four-star commitment for its 2020 class, and it's still very early on. But you know how how big of a deal do you think it is that Mac Brown is getting these guys so early and trying to really wrap up some of the cream of the crop even before spring practices really begin in earnest.
1: Well, just kind of put it out there. So this time of year actually produces a lot of commitments, and, and it's just um, how the recruiting process has gone. Some of these guys are, have gone through, made a bunch of visits during the, 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 the prior football season, started to make a bunch of junior day visits, um, see school, seeing some schools that they haven't seen before, and then seeing some schools that they have seen before a bunch of times and feeling comfortable. So this just seems like this. And then you have the summertime with all the camps. That seems to be another time. And then you have the official visits Um, seems to be a time. So it's not a a rarity, but um, to speak on the momentum, I mean, it's, it's absolutely huge, especially with the in-state guys. And I know I keep on harping on this and people are probably tired of me talking about it, but um, it's one thing to say, this is what we're going to do. It's another thing to actually do it. and, the, you know, to use another cliche, uh, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> and um, you know to have this many, you know, three four-star guys, two of them being in-state guys, um, this early on is huge. Momentum, I think, is really important in recruiting. And the reason why is, is that uh, all these high school kids, all these recruits, they all follow each other on Twitter. And if they see, oh, man, another four-star just committed to North Carolina. It, it it gives a sense of a buzz that's going on at the um at the school and um it's only going to help because it's it's positive things coming out of of Chapel Hill as opposed to negative things that that
0: may have you know that definitely came out last year so let's go ahead and start wrapping this one up but um Don I have one final question for you and for Uh-oh. everyone listening Don is notoriously tight-lipped um about you know the the secret ongoings and and the information that he gets Um, you know buck has tried to pry something out of it and you know don will not even tell his idol what's going on so for everyone i, I told him
1: i told him that's only there's only secrets that i give when i'm invited to buck's mansion for dinner
0: i don't think you're going to be invited i don't know buck you know is, is that invitation still open for don or, or is that door
2: closed well, he's going to have to prime the pump, uh, to, you know, to get there, <laughs> you, you know, know he's going to have to start feeding me a whole lot more tidbits and, uh, start being, uh, stop being so vague and hesitant to give the information out, uh, even to his idol. I mean, uh, that's how tight lipped he is, but it's worked pretty well for Don to, uh, be as incognito as he. Uh, has been for unc recruiting at inside carolina and if you're not a subscriber to inside carolina you better get on the on the train because there's going to be recruiting information in the class of 2020 you're going to want to know about and the place to find out about that is uh on inside carolina uh, as a premium subscriber so uh Get your nickels and dimes together and, and uh, get yourself a subscription to Inside Carolina. It's going to be a fun ride in 2020 in recruiting.
1: Yeah, and it's, we already we have so much content coming out. These nick, I know for at least these next couple of weeks, um, and definitely beyond that too. But I just know for these next couple of weeks, I don't, I have so much content. I don't know what to do with it. Um, and it's you know top targets, their thoughts, and everything like that. I'm going to be spending all day Sunday. Making phone calls, talking to guys, um, continuing to talk to guys who who visited on Saturday. We really didn't get a chance to get into that too much, but you know, there was a big weekend. Ray Greer wasn't the only one. He was just the the big one because he committed. But there was a lot of other big time recruits who were on campus on Saturday, and we'll have stories on all those guys. We'll have stories on, you know, the the top 2020 targets, the top twenty twenty-one targets. Um we have some uh, we'll have some video stuff on UNC's second newest uh verbal commitment. Ethan um, West uh, inside Carolina actually went on location to spend some time with him and his coach. So we'll have stuff on that. I mean, it's just, I can go on and on and on about all the stuff that we have coming up for the next couple weeks.
0: Well, well, look, let me get my, my question and you can leave us with, with this Don. Okay. Should the Tar Heel fan base be on kind of commitment watch for anyone else over the next, let's just say month. All right. The next four weeks. Do you think that there's some other names out there that realistically UNC fans can kind of be hoping to get that text message and get the breaking news that they have also joined the 2020 class?
1: Well, I'm going to continue to be incognito, but I will oh. say that I would be shocked if UNC doesn't add to this class in the next month. I okay. I, I would be. I'm not going to give any names or times or positions or any other hints. I say I'll save those for my dinner with Buck in his mansion. Where he where Miss Trish is the one gonna be cooking. Um but uh but yeah, so I'd be surprised if there aren't um
2: there aren't at least a couple commitments in the next month. I'll be I'm gonna be keeping a close eye on the attendees to the Duke game that's coming up. Yes,
1: that's a good that's 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 a good point. 'Cause those are gonna be the top guys and, and like I mentioned earlier, a guy like Jacoby Cohen who UNC hasn't been able to, to get on campus, he's coming and there's a bunch of other top guys are going to be on there we'll have that fully covered as far as who's going to be there leading up to it and and, uh and feedback
0: from from those who actually attend it well a couple i think that uh i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna remember that bit don so i think that was all that i had for this podcast we've talked for a while now uh buck
2: did you have anything else that you wanted to chime in on before we go No, just how much of a pleasure it was to spend time with you and Don this morning. Was was there enough energy for you? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Good energy this morning. Good podcast. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. Don, anything else that that you wanted to touch on, man? No, I think I talked
1: too much probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> not nah, never for that all right guys well let's go ahead and call this one to an end it was my pleasure speaking with you both hope that you guys have a good rest of the week for everyone listening absolutely stay tuned to inside carolina for the latest recruiting scoops the 2020 class has only just begun but man what a start and i think it's only going to get better from here so for everyone at inside carolina thank you for listening we'll talk with you again soon thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.